will you make me sound less like Karen Partridge? <laughs> yeah. Hello and welcome to <laughs> Thirty by Thirty <laughs> with Lucy Richards and Poppy Green. <laughs> Hello and welcome to 30 by 30, a podcast tracking 30 adventures as challenged by my friends before my 30th birthday. In this podcast series, you're going to hear me climb a mountain, attend a protest, ride a motorbike, attempt to date my comedy idol, yikes, and so much more. In episode 12, my challenge to you was to write 30 little notes and put them into books. You are in for an absolute treat because you're about to hear from my most bestest friend. I've been really excited for Poppy's episode and it seemed an appropriate one to round off the year with. So pour yourself a tea or a glass of wine and join her and me in episode 12. If there are two things we all know by this point, it's that I'm rather keen on books and I sound a bit like Emma Watson. And no one knows this more than Poppy, my soul sister. A couple of weeks ago, we drove down to Devon where, nestled in a copse on the edge of Dartmoor, we spent a weekend in a cosy shepherd's hut, filling our days by trampling through pastures new, lighting fires and toasting marshmallows and listening out for hooting owls, as we recorded the following. You're worried that you sound like Hermione Granger and I just sound like... Alan Partridge. Alan Partridge. Hermione and Alan. I feel so sorry for your listeners. No, it's true. I, so, I, so Dad and I went to see The Cursed Child a few weeks ago and I mm. watched the last two Harry Potter films in preparation. And I was just like, yes. Did you, and also Emma Watson, you sent it to me, had talked about turning 30. Yes. Well, it's, it's funny because I find her so irritating, but I also feel like we're kindred spirits. What, you find Emma Watson as a person irritating? No, I don't find, I find her a little bit irritating, actually. Do you? I think it's because... You're I, two of the same. I, yeah, <laughs> I, so, <laughs> sometimes I just think of it like, oh God, like listen to yourself. Yeah. And then I hear myself and I think, oh, God. Do you mean listen to yourself as in the actual sound of your voice? Yes, but also okay. just some of the things that come out of my mouth. Like, you know, I'm editing these podcasts and I'm like, oh, God, you're a dick. <laughs> no, it's, it's true. So I think, yeah, I, I do really like her and I can identify with her on many things. You know, she thinks like I think Yeah. in many ways. And I sound like her. I also find her really irritating. Oh, that's really interesting. I thought that you just found her character Hermione Granger yeah annoying no rather than actually her I think I like I prefer her as a person her as Mm. an actress I definitely I don't feel very relaxed watching her act fair okay yeah I don't I just I thought that you know you quite like her and that she's academic and clever and wise progressive progressive exactly and she stands up for so many things that you feel passionate about as well and yeah I love the fact that she drops books off on the tube and signs them and things like that and I know I was like oh this is amazing yeah and then she talked about turning 30 and kind of yeah and how I was like Lucy this is amazing I know you're like I don't like her (laughs) yeah yeah in many ways we she and I should be best mates yeah but in other ways back off (laughs) (laughs) um good news so windy gusty pg hello how do we know each other? I don't know. <laughs> when did not, we meet? I'm not actually sure who you are. <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> um, we met at school mm-hmm. in year nine. Yes. So I guess we joined Pram in 2003, didn't we? That's right. 2003. It was, so a, it was a weird school because it started in year nine rather than year, year seven. Mm. The first sort of term 
we didn't really know each other at all. No. And even second term, so spring term, we didn't really know each other. But I saw you sort of like walking around and I was like, she seems really nice. Like, I'd like to be her friend. Um, what you're not saying, because you're very modest, is that you were you were really popular. That's absolutely that's not true. <laughs> no, it's no, it's it's a hundred percent true. That's not true. You were really popular, and it all went downhill. <laughs> <from laughs> you were. I I remember you. Were, yeah, no, you were. You it's were really sad popular. that my pinnacle was age <laughs> age thirteen. Yes. <laughs> How do I feel about turning 30? Well, well I'd like to go back to when I was 13. <laughs> and I remember, I don't know, you just, you were, you sort of like, you were in the cool set and I was not in the cool set. So it's true. It's definitely, you're shaking your head. It's definitely true. Um, that's how I remember it. Well, it's not true. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you what it was. No, it's, I think it was probably because I'd come from a school where there was actually quite a large group of us. Yeah, that had come. Yes, whereas there wasn't that larger group from my no. school, and so we and actually I think a lot of us stuck together, knowing that we'd all come from the same school, and so it seemed like I had loads of friends just because yeah. we had come as a group, and we were actually a really small school. Yeah, because I think Marlborough House and Dulwich were two of the biggest. They were feeders You're into right. Cranbrook. Yes. So, and we had played Dulwich, and there were a lot of people who had been to Marlborough House, I think, who knew people from Dulwich, or we yeah. were two schools that played each other quite a lot in sports, and so there was sort of a connection there, or yeah. the boys all played at the Cranbrook Rugby Club together, and I think it wasn't until really the summer term yes. when we then um, joined, or decided that we wanted to be in the school play. Yeah, so we, well, we auditioned for the school play. Auditioned we, didn't, the... we didn't know each other then? Not really, I don't think. I think we'd sort of said hi to each other. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until we really went and auditioned for the school play, yeah. which was Pirates of Penzance, yeah. um, that we really got to know each other because we, yeah, we auditioned and got in and we were the Fair Maidens. Were we the only two girls from our year? I think we might have been, I you know. We I, don't, were. I can't seem to remember that anybody else was in it from our year. No, I don't. I remember boys were in it, but I don't remember any other girls in it from our year. No. Yeah, and then we had house plays as well. They were The house plays were really fun. They were fun. But I think my, some of my happiest memories at Cranbrook come from doing Pirates Penzance. Yeah. So, yeah, so we... Well, what we should say, I mean, we are both maidens, but you were... You were understudied to the, to the lead maiden. To the lead maiden. Yeah, which was crazy, really. I mean, had I been a sick former in some year nine little... Scrote had been, <laughs> yeah, some year nine little person had come in and been like, Oh, no, I'm the understudy for you. Yeah, I think I'd be fuming, but also in our 14 year old minds, like you had to kiss an 18 year old boy, didn't you? Mm. And when you're 14, you had to kiss a guy called Sam, yeah, and that we were both, whoo, yeah, excited. <laughs> Very nervous. Yeah. But I remember it would be always in the rehearsals where we'd be like, okay, and then that's the kiss bit. And then we just, and then we'd like carry on. So it was never, it was never rehearsed. No. And then it just sort of happened on the night. night. Yeah. And I just remember in the lead up to it, not only was I nervous because I was on stage 
and trying to sing this duet with him and then this kiss was coming and I was like oh my god this is really terrifying my parents are in the audience my friends are in the audience there's so much pressure and trying to maintain some sort of um you know voice throughout my song and then it just sort of happened and I think I was so panicked about it I actually pulled away I think I was like oh oh no Um, I can remember then getting cast in Pirates of Penzance and Mm. And you getting cast in it. And I just remember really clicking. Yeah. And even though we didn't have the same groups of friends, and I think I was like, oh my God, Bobby Green, you were just so lovely and friendly. And it just felt really easy. Yeah. And then a friendship blossomed. Yeah. Until now. Yeah, it did. I think it was just so nice, actually, if our memory does serve us correctly. And we were the only two year nines. I think that probably forced us also to want to stick together yeah etc but you're right it was just easy and it was really fun and it was also great because there was there were people from various years I just remember it being a really fun bunch of people but kind of you and I to look at you and I are very different Mm. and I think that we'd come from (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was a bloody giant but also I mean I am (laughs) Teeny tiny. Little and large. I had so much fun at Cranbrook. I was so happy. Mm. I was not happy at Angley and I was really, really happy at at Cranbrook. It was Mm. a really wonderful mix of, well, no, it wasn't a mix of people. Who are we kidding? It was a very specific kind of section of society. But it was a really. Yeah, it it, it was. And I don't know. I I would sort of dispute that, I guess, in the sense that. Cranbrook was full of a lot of people who had come from prep schools and whatever in the local community, but equally, it was ultimately a, a free school. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't a paying school. So, no. So long as you could pass the entrance exam, you could have come from any background. No, you and are. I think... you, well, you are right. But I suppose it was fairly privileged. It was very you know people were significantly white and middle class and yeah. you are right but they had but to isn't be that just kent yes and that's no. the point is for day and to not pay you had to be from the catchment area where mm-hmm. people were significantly white and middle class mm-hmm. um and then if you're boarding well then you had to be able to afford that so yeah. you know it, yeah. it, it was actually a very kind of sort of very specific part yeah. I remember that a lot of people had very big gardens that's true or fields mm. and my kind of main memories of socialising at Cranbrook involved fires in people's gardens mm. or fields with hay bales around them and maybe a marquee and us all just getting really pissed and then sleeping in a tent mm. where then you'd, the next day you'd be like who got with who mm. That that's a really significant so like, not me, because I've got my boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favourite memories, or something that I can remember really vividly, is then when people learnt to drive, and then we'd get in a convoy of cars, and mm. we'd go to Canberra Sands, which is a beach. Yeah. Sort of, like, 40-minute drive from Cranbrook. Yeah. And we'd all pile into two or three cars with some disposable barbecues. barbecues. Yeah, and just loads of booze. And we'd all get up on the sand dunes. And the boys would dig a hole. Yeah, because these holes were as <laughs> like, deeper than them, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. And I had this distinct fear that the hole was going to collapse on them. 
And then I was like, what are we going to do? Yeah. Um, That's a really, those Canberra visits were a really clear memory for me. And it, it was always, obviously it was summer and it's always just so sunny. They were really fun summers. It's my time to embarrass you now. <laughs> because obviously you were our head girl. Yeah. And it was part of your job yeah. alongside the deputy head girl, the head boy and deputy head boy to organise our thick, sixth form ball. Yeah. So yeah, it was, and that was lovely. Yeah. And, and it, we all, it, and uh, I think the thing that I really liked about it is that it was a ball and not a prom. Yes. So there wasn't that need to for people to necessarily rock up in a limousine with a tiara and a... No, we got red buses. Yeah. No, we no, we got coaches, I think. And mm. it had a really gorgeous... It was in Tunbridge Wells Tumbridge somewhere. Wells. High it, Rocks, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. And it had a really beautiful um, view mm. overlooking kind of Tunbridge Wells. It's very green. And I remember everyone being, you know, dressed in... Like, the girls were... The boys were all in tuxes and the girls... Yeah. 18! And the girls were all in floor-length dresses and... And that was... I'd never worn... There were, no, there were no teachers or anything like that. No, there. no, it was just us. I, I have never, other than my sister's wedding, I've never worn a floor-length dress since then. Again, very lucky. And it was really civilised. Like, I don't think anybody went to... No, there's one person who I shan't name. But there was one person who was... Can you mouth it to me? Oh, really? Yeah, he was really, really poorly... I don't remember There's a picture all. of him passed out um, with someone holding his eye open. <laughs> yeah, I would like, like bombed in the bush. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I think... Yes. Maybe I was being really sensible and such a loser. Um, As I was saying, things went downhill from year nine. So after we left Cranbrook then, we obviously both went to uni. I then went to France for a year. Yeah. Um, God, yeah, that's when you got um, chicken pox. Yeah. I think I must have been coming back from work and I used to park at your parents and I remember you answering the door like in a, in a onesie and it was like it was like I a, had the plague. a leper colony because <laughs> <laughs> you were like zipped up you know like sort of just your eyes poking yeah. out it was really quite awful yeah um, you, yeah my I, parents I, drove down to France to come and pick me up yeah from the southern part of France, France. basically Spain no I think the chicken pox just shot my immune system which meant that I then got anything and everything under the sun. So then that's when we went to Rhodes. You're getting ahead of yourself. (laughs) Well, that was before we moved in together. Yes, but that was when I was in France. That was when you were in France. So, yeah, we booked it when I was in France. Right. So I had chickenpox in the October. Yeah. And then we went to Rhodes in the summer of 2013. Yeah. We we ate very little. We drank a lot. Mm. I just remember being sick a lot. Um, <laughs> no, 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 wait. Can we can we go back? I have to go back. Your dad so kindly took us to the airport. Yeah. So kindly. <laughs> so, listeners should know, Poppy is the keeper of all of my embarrassing stories and secrets. <laughs> embarrassing story number one. <laughs> um, your dad took us to the airport. Yeah. And um, he was like, oh, girls, what are your plans? And we said, oh, you know, we're just we're going to check out roads and we're going to see what old town's like and we'll probably have a few drinks. And your dad is renowned for Robbie's Bar. Yeah. Having his own little bar at home and producing cocktails and whatever and feeding everybody's all sorts of cocktails and wonderful things. So, you know, he, he likes a, a, a nice drink. He wants everyone he? to be having a good time. Exactly, through yeah. alcohol. 
um and I love that so he was like oh so you know you're gonna be getting a getting a bit boozy feeling a bit worse for wear and Lucy chimes in with I'm not gonna lie I think I'm just one of these people that doesn't get a hangover God, this is post university. Absolutely, honestly, the audacity of it is just so. Oh, it's just so cringe. What was I? I hate myself so much. It's dreadful. So this is post university. Lucy Richards claiming, I think I'm just one of these people that just doesn't get a hangover. Like I've never, I've never had a hangover. It's awful. And both your dad and I were like, your eyes met in the wing mirror. What? <laughs> And I just remember saying, don't worry, Mr. Richards, I'll deal with this one. And he was sort of just giving me a knowing nod. Yeah. Awful. And a look. Awful. So then, so after that then, obviously we were working in London, but then we moved in together. Yes. And we then went on lovely holidays to Lisbon and Verona, mm. which were really wonderful. Both of those, actually Lisbon was quite drunken, but mm. Verona was... We finally grew up in Verona. We're finally adults. <laughs> Fair Verona. <laughs> we became adults. <laughs> exactly. It was civilised. Lisbon was a bit tragic in some ways, mainly on my, my part. Seeing a pattern here. Um, but we lived in... I want to talk about London because yes. we lived in London together for, for four years. We did. And I feel like particularly... And it was the sweetest of times. It was. And I think particularly the last two years when because before the first two years we had boyfriends it wasn't until both of us in fairly quick succession broke up or were broken up with and that heartbreak at the time yeah um i think was as dreadful as it was for both of us in different ways they were the best of things for us yeah in many ways as well they they were and but i think as a friendship as well i think it you know you were just unbelievable during that time oh. You were. Like, you listened to me constantly cry for a solid however many months about ridiculous things and be miserable and not be able to realise that I could be happy in myself. Yeah. And the fact that I had got to that point, I think, in a relationship where I relied so heavily on one person yeah. is is ridiculous, but you not only listened to me go, oh, I can't do this on my own, but you helped to rebuild me oh. in the sense of realising that I could. I went through something as well, and I did not enjoy good mental health for nine months to a year, and you were a rock through all of that. And I know my parents are eternally grateful to everything that you did then, so yeah, you know, this is what this is what we do. I am I'm pleased that I was able to be of some help no, to you, but it was more so of just ultimately being a good girlfriend, right? Yeah. And I think if nothing has come from these challenges that you've done and the the podcast that you've done is just to see how amazing your friends are. Yeah. And how many people you've got around you to support and nurture this wonderful person that you are and that you've got these friends around you hold, holding you up yeah well that's I think you've just perfectly summarized it that's how I feel I don't I find life like I find life you know this more than anyone 
I find life incredibly visceral. Like, the highs are high and the lows are low. Mm. If I start laughing, I find it hard to stop. If I start <laughs> crying, I find it hard to stop. And I think that my friends all know me very well. I just, it, it never fails to amaze me how you're all there. I've been really excited to have you on because, yeah, you've just, you've seen me at my best and my worst. And I think I just feel very lucky that even though you've seen me at my worst, that you still stick around. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but it's it's the same for me, though, right? Like, you've seen me at my best yeah. and you have seen me at my worst. And the worst that lasts lasted longer than I cared it cared for it to last. But that's what that's what friends, that's what are, friends for. are for. And oh, yeah, you're right. That's what true yeah, friends are for. Absolutely. We sound like we're always again. crying. Like yeah. The point that I was trying to get at is actually also that when we lived together, we had so much fun. We danced a lot. Yeah. We fell over a lot. I was sick Speak for yourself quite a few times. <laughs> My birthday, where we went to. The Big Easy. Where to begin with the Big Easy story? Where to begin with the Big Easy story? Well, I thought I had an eye infection. This is where we shall start. Yes. So we fashioned an eye patch for me out of a napkin. That's right. Which was then my first ever trip to A&E. So before that, though, it's worth saying that it was a boozy brunch... You had sort of two shifts of your birthday. It began with brunch, then there were people coming on later. We went for brunch... We were all, it was bottomless, we got really drunk. It was your birthday, so I think I was very much like, right, well, you're having fun, I'll be the responsible one. I was not responsible at all, I was too no. drunk to be responsible. Yeah. Our then housemate, Rachel, passed out in the in the toilets. It's like two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, being, being fed shots of um, espresso um, and lemon. Yeah, by the bouncer. By the bouncer. He was like holding her head back. <laughs> I'm one drink behind her, so really, I, have, I cannot judge because no. I was equally hammered. Mm by this point now sitting sort of almost at the front desk yeah. with Rachel puking into a yeah. champagne bucket was, sorry Rachel yeah and I was like I'll get us an Uber girls yeah. leave Don't the Uber to me it. I'll get the Uber Uber turns up we're in Canary Wharf yeah we are not far away from home no we're, we're sort of a few streets away and we joined the motorway I think yeah and it wasn't until I mean I'm sitting in the front of the, the, the Uber and it wasn't until we were like on a motorway for a good amount of time that I said excuse me, Mr. Taxi Driver, but where are we headed? And he goes, South End, love. I'm like, South End? What are we doing to South, going to South End? And he was like, well, that's what you put in the, in the, the your directions. You wanted to go to South End. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. So then we had some, fr- you had some friends come over. I think, I, we were convinced we were going to go out. Yeah. I tried to break dance. Mm. Didn't go well. Mm-mm. And then the next day, I remember thinking, well, Rachel obviously isn't going to be in no fit state to clear mm. up because she was not well. It was your birthday. Mm. So I was like, it, it befalls to me mm. to clear up. So I went, I crawled out of bed, went to clear up the, the kitchen and living room. And then I had freelance work, which I think was due the next day. And the minute I settled myself down to be like, fine, I've now cleaned. I've made myself a coffee, a bacon sandwich. Yeah, I need I can the work. food. I need the food. You came in in your sunglasses. Yeah. And I remember waking up being like, this is the worst hangover I have ever had. Yeah. Like, I can't even open my eyes. And no. I was like, hold on, that's not good. I've never, I've been hungover before, but this is ridiculous. And I think I remember texting my mum or something with, my, with like one eye open <laughs> or slightly, uh, slightly open. 
and being like, I can't open my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> They're so painful. And I think she said something like, you're going to have to go to, you're going to have to go to any because what could she do? Um, so I remember crawling in, being hung over. Yeah. As yeah. sin. And saying to you, I think I need to go to A&E. And I think you were a bit like, babes, it's just a hangover. You don't need to go to A&E. But then I'm taking need, off my yeah. sunglasses and you being like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, call the number, call the number. You poor, poor It's thing. not how you expect to spend a hangover after your birthday party. No. And that is also not the first time we've been to A&E together. We took you another no. time when you had an allergic reaction to something. Oh, my God. I have slightly lost count of the number of times for various reasons that you and I have sat in hospitals together. But we're all fine now. Yeah, good state of health. Yeah. Um, Touch wood. Okay, Mm -hmm. PG, what was your challenge to me? So my first initial challenge to you was that you had to say yes to everything. Yes. For, I can't remember how long was it? Well, I mean, you were like, (laughs) I was immediately like, which you knew, Mm. I said, no. no. (laughs) (laughs) The irony. I was like, that's no <laughs> I think in my mind and I can't I don't know if this is like a fake story <laughs> fake news or a real story but I, there's like, there's this guy yes, who's put in is. the newspaper yes. this thing this advert saying join me yes and, and then he wrote a book I think I think he did yes yeah. man and yeah and um yeah it was this idea that you say yes to loads of things and I the thing is that I know that you do say yes to lots of things already. Yeah. But I guess from... I was just trying to think, well, that might put you into different situations that perhaps you might have said no to. Yes. Which may, I don't know, get you into just lots of different opportunities. Yeah. That who knows who you might meet or what stories you might come up with or... Yeah. And I just thought, in order to give that to you as a challenge, yeah. you wouldn't be able to say no to it. Um, and therefore yes. there might be something which came from it or you realise that actually trying lots of new different things, yeah. even when you're like, I'm so busy yeah. or whatever, yes. would give you give you more stories to tell. Yes. So that was my thinking behind it. And I think it's I think the sentiment's lovely. I suppose it would have been a challenge to have done that with twenty nine other challenges on top of it. That wasn't your reason for saying no, but yeah. And also, no, my reason for saying no was I was thinking, I'm going to be broke and probably in a hospital. <laughs> I was like, how What's much- your problem? <laughs> <laughs> what a story in itself. <laughs> and I think also, I was just a bit like, well, also, I have taken on all these challenges. Yeah. Anyways, I have said yes. I did yes say you to... could say no if it was going to, you know. You said if you thought I was in danger. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what are you complaining about? Precisely. <laughs> I was then forced to think of something else. No, I was. I then thought of something else. So the challenge I set you was to write thirty little quotes or um, messages. Yes. And put them in books. Yes. Whether that's bookshops, secondhand bookshops. Um, charity shops, libraries, yeah. whatever. And then I set you up with a little email address yes. to put at the bottom of yes. your note. So the hope was that um, you might put these little notes in a book. And even if it was just a, hello, I'm leaving this one on the tube. I had a great read of it. Yeah. Um, whatever. And then, you know, somebody may well contact you on an email address. I just thought, yeah. actually, if I had found a book... 
and I picked it up and I saw it and there was a little email address I probably would write an email and just say hi I found your book yeah. thank you so much yeah and I just thought it might start a conversation with who knows who yes and I guess in my really was sort of like romantic brain I was like you might meet some really interesting people who have stories of their own to tell and yeah in your 30th year what a great thing to be able to share your experiences of your 30 challenges with potentially new people yeah who may have challenges of their own and actually maybe if there was anybody that did contact you then you could ask them how they thought felt about turning 30 or yeah whatever um but I don't know, how have you got on with it? So I'm about halfway through. So okay. I, I, I sort of wish what I had done was I had written them at the start and then I could have just carried them with me everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but inevitably, life gets in the way, as we yeah. established. And so I have done some on trips away mm-hmm. as well. But again, I think, oh, I wish I'd been more organised and yeah. taken more away. Um, so I have slipped them in libraries mm-hmm. and then I've given away books mm-hmm. so I put you know given those to charity shops I've tucked them in those yeah. and then I've also been into sort of bookshops and just slip them in there nothing no one has been in touch as of yet oh horrible people <laughs> but it's early days and also True. I think it's you know you've set me up with that email now so I could just feasibly just carry on you know yeah. like Emma Watson I could just keep doing it yeah your and, worst enemy <laughs> yeah exactly my heart nemesis Emma Watson I could just keep doing it. I don't. You said thirty, but I could just keep, yeah, keep doing it into my thirty-first year and work my way through. You know, like a box of penguin postcards. Mm. And I think it was a really sweet challenge, and I think also it was thoughtful because it had the same sentiment as your original challenge, mm. which we poo-pooed. I don't know. I sort of feel like I don't think that I'd stop doing it. I won't be like, right, thirty, that's done and dusted. Mm. I think actually, yeah, you know, love her or hate her, channel my my inner Emma Watson. And just keep doing it. Yeah. Well, that's lovely to hear. And um, and who knows then what might happen? I guess. No, I'm not. I'm not by any stretch of the imagination a wordsmith or particularly good reader. But I know that you are both of those things. And for me, the idea that you might come across somebody through doing this process or people that you might come yeah. across in doing this process, and it might spark some sort of creativity in order to put that into a book or Mm. something was, I guess, a slight inspiration for me to think that who who knows who you might come across. And I probably really cheesy. I I loved Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah. And that idea that somebody just went off and did what she wanted to do and she was able to then writers write her story about her experience about what happened about meeting different people and her relationships with those different people that she met along the way and I guess part of me hoped and maybe still hopes that there might be those people that you meet along the way even if that is just through emails that you might be able to put into some sort of a you are so interested in other people and their stories and you know the fact that you did that um little radio thing with your your grandma yes wonderful silver spice and you know you asked the questions to find out about her and find out a little bit more about her life etc and I just thought there are so many interesting people out there and even if people don't think they have an an interesting story to tell. Yes, everyone has a story to everybody tell. Everybody has a story to tell, yeah. whatever that is. And the idea that 
somebody might contact you through this little letters yes um and be able to share their story with somebody who is interested yes i think is is really lovely because you are just so open yeah and keen to hear about other people granted it opens you up to some weirdos (laughs) (laughs) the potential for something to happen in that sense um but i'm just trying to avoid thinking about that yeah but also if it's by email then it's kind of protected yeah exactly yeah i suppose so so then this so then leading on from that Mm. and everyone having a story to tell Mm. how you turned 30 about a month ago six Mm -hmm. weeks ago how did you feel about turning 30 or how are you feeling about the fact that you are now 30 yeah prior to turning 30 i just don't really think i thought about it no so it's another number it doesn't really matter what does 30 mean apart from being yeah. a little bit older and yeah you know, oh, gone from my 20s into my 30s and I genuinely hadn't really thought about it and yet being the other side of that threshold I think there is something about it and it is slightly daunting that all of a sudden you're in your 30s where you had expected to be married you had expected to potentially have a child mm. And just all these assumptions that you grow up with and realising that they haven't come to fruition when you thought they would have done. And I know you've spoken about it with a lot of your friends and that expectation and the body clock and things like that. But I actually think that there's something really to be said about And I think that's probably hit me harder than I thought it would. I think what's really important for listeners to know also is that you had a cha- a total change of career. Mm. So you have just started a different a totally different job. Yeah. You retrained, you were in recruitment, you retrained you're now a teacher. Yeah. Are you saying that by the time that you were thirty you thought you would have a child? Yeah, I guess so. I think I I mean I remember being ten and saying to my mum driving in the car, saying to my mum, Oh, when I'm eighteen I am gonna be out of home, I'm gonna be living on my own. Yeah. And Obviously, then I get to 18 and I'm like, I'm not leaving home. You can't no. kick me out. Don't kick me out. I was back at home last year. I was, I was yeah, a yeah. 29-year-old still living at my parents' house whilst I was training to be a teacher. Yeah. You know, and I was very happy being at home. <laughs> yeah. Um, life doesn't work out how you expect it to. No. At all. And I think that that's the case for everyone. It doesn't matter whether you have a partner, don't have a partner, whether yeah. you are have the career that you want or don't have the career you want. I don't know, I'm making it sound like it's a, a, that I'm really depressed about it and I'm not. And obviously I have a wonderful boyfriend who I love a lot. Yeah, and you now live with. And who I now live back with. back in London teaching. Exactly. I think I've just started my career. We've just moved in together. Yes. I want to settle into my career and there are things that I want to do um, in my future, in my career. I know there's things that he wants to do in his career. Yeah. But I think that there's also then this this something in the back of my mind of being like, but time's a ticking. Yeah. And you have a body clock. Yeah. I would be really sad if I, I think, if I got to a point where it was too late. Yeah. And that that's a, a genuine yeah. worry for me. But, you know, as millennials or as women with careers and who want to do well, you're sort of battling that thing of I want to 
I want a career and I want this for my professional life, but I also want this for my personal life. And yeah. you're trying so hard to find a balance. It is hard. And, and, you know, Michelle Obama said in her book last year, like, it's a fallacy, like, women can't have it all. Um, and I don't know, I don't, I'm, I don't have a child, so I can't say whether they can or can't have it all. But mm. certainly I can see there's a real conflict going on. Mm. And I think that's a heck of a, a heck of a weight to carry. Yeah. And I think I hadn't really considered that when I was 29. No. It's, you're leaving your 20s behind and everybody thinks, oh, it's, you know, the roaring 20s. Yeah. Um, you know, all the best things happen. You start your career, you move out of home and you start home somewhere else. Yeah. Um, you might go travelling. In your 20s, you can make lots of mistakes and yes. it's fine because you're still in your 20s. And, yes. Um, you can, I don't know, have flings and... And be hungover. And be hungover and, and yeah. uh, recover quicker. And um, <laughs> make mistakes with boyfriends and learn that, or girlfriends, and learn about that. But you suddenly hit 30 and you, you're a bit like, I don't, I don't want to, but I also don't have the time to no. waste on those mistakes. You, I think there is suddenly an understanding of, that time is precious yes yes it is isn't it time is precious but this all sounds really negative about turning 30 and I don't want to be negative about turning 30 because I think your 30s are a really exciting time because they are where you most likely will settle in a house hopefully of one's own or Mm. move cities, or find a job that you feel secure in and settle into and um, excel in. Mm. No, I think it's a really exciting time as well, but standing just over the threshold into 30, Mm. you think, oh my goodness, I remember being 20. And that decade's now gone. Yeah. Okay, also think about how many amazing things have happened in that decade. Yes. But that decade's gone. You think I've now got this next decade. What's going to be in store? I do also feel like what I'm quite excited about in my 30s, though, is then actually being more like, I'm in my 30s. I, I wonder whether I'll feel like I can justify my behaviour more. So in my 20s, I think I'd be like, no, I should go to these, I should go to these drinks because, you know, I'm in my 20s. That's yeah. what it's about. Whereas I wonder whether when, when I'm in my 30s, I'll be like, no, I don't want to go. So I'm just not going to go. I'm in my 30s. Yeah, and that's quite an exciting prospect, I think, to be more like, no, actually, do you know what? I'm a fully grown adult. Yeah, I'm in my thirties. I will only do what I want to do. Yeah, I'm not exactly. going to put myself out into situations which are going to make me feel uncomfortable. No, is there anything else that you want to say on the podcast? Because you haven't had six hours of material. There are now. <laughs> I think I've now got seven clips, and I say clips. I think the minimum length is twenty minutes. Brilliant. Um, the maximum yeah, is Yeah, so 50. I now have a 40-minute um, <laughs> monologue okay. I would like to give. <laughs> Whatever happens in your 30s, mm. all these people that you have got challenges from are going to be there to be with you. Yeah. So whatever happens, they're there to support you and help you through the amazing times and also the crappier times too. Yeah. And what a wonderful way to celebrate your friendship with them and your love for them than by praising them through 
talking with them. Yeah. And showing that to other people. 30 love letters. Exactly. Yeah. And that's really charming. And I think that's such a wonderful thing to do. Well, thank you. But you know that you're forever my number one. Don't, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> I've already welled up once today. I'm like, got to have my daily crying. Good, before I did this, I was like, got to make Papa cry. This is the one where I'm going to make someone cry. <laughs> I did it quietly so that nobody had to hear me like sniffling. <laughs> I can't express just how much Poppy means to me. Genuinely, I can't, else I will cry into this microphone. All I can say is that her challenge continues to fill me with joy. And I do actually think I will be channeling my inner Emma Watson and leaving literary letters into my 30s. I love the sentiment behind it and the idea that perhaps I'll find a new pen pal who I can swap stories with and learn from. So thank you, Poppy, for a really thoughtful challenge and for all of your friendship and love for the past 16 years and for the next. And to all of you, I'm signing off for 2019 with an announcement coming in the new year. But for now, just to say, have a wonderful Christmas filled with all the things and people you love. And I'll talk to you again in 2020. Merry Christmas.